Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, well, I'm going to start today with a bit of a hard-hitting question, and here it is. Just answer between you and God. Don't raise your hand. Are you in a place where you want to obey God? Really just sit on that for a moment. Think on that. Are you in a place where you want to obey God? Now, maybe you're here and you're like, John, I don't even know if there is a God. That was me at one point. If you're not sure where you are yet on what you believe, I'd invite you to keep joining us here every weekend. Today's message is definitely a message for those who've placed their faith in Jesus and you're doing your best to now follow Jesus, knowing that we don't earn our salvation, we don't buy it, but after we receive salvation, we're called to a new way of life. If that's you and if you're in a place where you say, yeah, I really do want to obey God in my life. I'm convinced that today's message is really going to be helpful to you. By the way, if you're here and you say, I don't want to obey God, I'll just warn you right now, today's message is going to grate on you, okay? <laughs> you're going to find yourself resisting it, and I just thought I'd get that out of the way right up front. Today's message is the conclusion of last week's message, which was called The Genius of Generosity. It was based on this little yellow leather-bound book written by a mentor of mine and friend of mine named Chip Ingram. Chip wrote this book, and actually to model that generosity, um, Chip gives that book away freely. So we've given away at least uh, two or 3,000 copies of this thing, I believe, and Chip just gives those to us to give away because generosity has so transformed his life. If you didn't get a copy last week, they're available in the lobby, or you can text the word genius there. Last week's message was incredibly inspiring. I've heard from many of you that it just reignited in you a desire to be generous, to live a generous life. And I know it's true because I took Chip to lunch afterwards last week and we're sitting in the restaurant and the server came up and said, hey, I just want you to know that family over there paid for your lunch. And I thought, wow, they're like applying Chip's message right away. I was inspired by his message, but there's a tension if we're honest. You hear a message on generosity and you do a couple things, but then you get your bills and it's like, whoa, 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 I, whoa, I can't do too much with generosity. How do you keep it going? I mean, how do you live a lifestyle of generosity, not just as a little, you know, spurt, but as a way of life? Because if you're anything like me and Mel, we live on a budget, and I got to tell you, you guys all know this, in the last few months, the cost of groceries, the cost of gasoline, like, it is hard enough to pay our own bills. In fact, here's a little video you'll probably relate to. If you've never heard an auctioneer before, this is the voice of an auctioneer, and this is what I hear Every time I fill up on gasoline, go ahead and take a look. 81, 2, 2, 3, 3, 4, 4, 84, now 5, 85, 86, dollar bill, 7, dollar, 8, dollar bill, 88, here, 9, there, 89, 90, now 1, and 92, 93, 3, 3, 4, 94, dollar bill, 95, 5, dollar, 96, dollar, 7, dollar, 98, dollar bill, 9, 9, 9, 9. <laughs> it's so true. If you have a 20-gallon gas tank, it's 100 bucks to fill it up right now, and it seems to just keep getting more expensive. It is really hard right now for us normal middle-class families to be making ends meet. And for those of you who are giving faithfully, I want to just 
thank you and encourage you to keep doing it. And for those of you who want to start a generosity journey, you were inspired by Chip's message, you have it in your heart to be generous, but you look at your own finances and you think, how could I be generous? I want to just give you some practical tools today. To start off, I want to just give you this overarching principle over our generosity, and it's this, we can be faithful because God is faithful. You can be faithful because God is faithful, and that's why your, your money, while it is not a spiritual thing in and of itself, what you do with it is a spiritual decision because when we give, we're really saying, I trust that God is going to meet my needs. Here's just three real quick encouragements as you continue on your generosity journey. 2 Thessalonians 3 says this, but the Lord is faithful. In other words, as you're faithful to God with your time, you're coming to church, you're you're serving perhaps, you're doing your best to put God first in your life, he will be faithful to you. He'll strengthen you, he'll protect you, he'll provide for you. Second Chronicles 16 says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro, that is they're looking all over planet earth, looking for the people who want to serve God, and for those people, God will show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is set apart to him. Deuteronomy 1 verse 30, for everyone who seeks first the kingdom of God says this, God will fight for you. Well, quick raise of hands. I'd love to see who's seen the new Top Gun movie, Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick. Awesome movie, right? I don't normally make movie recommendations in my messages, but that was such a good movie. I feel like I can recommend it. I loved the movie because I actually had a very influential friend in my life who was a fighter pilot. Now, he's older than I am. He's probably in his 70s now. But when Melanie and I walked away from my journalism career in Arizona, we started with a little church of about 40 people in a retirement town up in the mountains of Arizona. And one of the elders at that church was a guy named Harv. Harv had been a fighter jet, fighter pilot early in his career with the U.S. Air Force. And Harv was a really great elder, really good guy. I mean, lean, even into his late 60s, he was running every day and just kind of military guy, real great guy. One day, Harv takes me to lunch, and he looks at me across the table. Our little church had grown from 40 to about 150, and he said, John, it's time for you to preach on giving. I said, whoa, 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 Harv. I don't preach on giving. You know, I used to be a skeptic, the whole thing about churches wanting money. It was a big turnoff to me. I, I don't think it's a great way to reach people. He said, John, it's not about you, and how you feel, and it's not even uh, about the church. This is how people grow. This is part of people's growth. I said, what do you mean, Harv? He said, well, John, I got to tell you a little bit of my journey with my wife, Susan. Harv started to tell me how when they were in their 20s, and they were at a U.S. Air Force base in another country, there was a little church on the base, and it was at that church that they placed their faith in Jesus, and the pastor there taught them this principle. Now, this is Harv's story. He said, the pastor there taught us to always tithe the first 10% of our income back to a Bible-believing local church. And then Harv explained to me, John, as we moved around in the Air Force, four years in the country of Iran, and then we had to flee four years in Greenland, all these places around the world, everywhere we'd go, we'd find a good Bible-believing local church, we'd start serving, and we'd tithe there. Harv said, John, it has so transformed our lives. Our kids are adults now and they love the Lord. It's kept our merit. It has just put God as number one in our lives. And he said, John, and even financially, we never gave for getting back from God. 
but I had no idea as a fighter pilot that I would get promoted to commander all the way up to being in charge of a whole U.S. Air Force base for a whole country, pretty much what we would call a general. And he said, John, you've got to teach on this because if you don't, here's his quote, you will rob them if you don't teach them this life-changing principle. It was a profound realization for me that teaching on giving is not really about funding the ministry of the church. It's part of how God does it, but it's about the spiritual growth for the individuals. And it was a really key time for me and Mel because I had taken a pay cut when we left journalism, uh, not only in salary, but the benefits. There was a lot of benefits working for a big media company, working for a church of 40 people. There were zero benefits. And that really changed our bottom line. It changed our whole situation. And then we had our firstborn, and doing that 10% tithe got really, really, really hard. And if Harv hadn't challenged me to teach on it, and then I taught it, and I saw our people grow, but mostly it grew me as I taught on it. As I chose to say, we're going to do this because we believe this is God's principle. Now, I'm not here to argue about the 10% tithe. But I am here to teach you today a little bit of what the Word of God says about faithful giving. Now, I know that for many of you, for some of you, your big thought right now is, oh, this is about connection point. They must be tight on money. One, connection point is not tight on money. Two, I, I mean this with full sincerity. This is for you. This is not primarily for the church. And so, if giving to connection point is your barrier, if you're like, okay, I want to obey God. If this is what God says, I'll do it, but not to connection point. Let me give you the name of four other local churches you could tithe to. I'm totally serious, okay? You could give to Kingsway. You could give to Traders Point, Church at Maine, Mount Tabor. Those are all churches where I know the leaders. They're great churches. And I think it makes sense to give at the church where you're growing and you're learning and you're seeing the fruit. But if that's a barrier for you, then consider one of these other churches as you just hear these principles from the Word of God. Last week, Chip shared with us a quote from Jesus recorded in the book of Acts. It is more blessed or happy to give than to receive. Most of us have heard this. Maybe you didn't know it came from Jesus. It's better to give than to receive. Now, I'm convinced that most Christians don't actually believe Jesus on this point. I'm convinced that most of us, we've never really experienced this because we've never given faithfully. Most We've given sporadically, but not faithfully. It's when you give faithfully that you will experience the happiness, the blessing of giving. You could put it this way. For spurts of joy, give sporadically. You know, you hear about a crisis. There was a tsunami or a hurricane, and, you know, people are homeless, and you're moved, and you give, and there's joy. of like, wow, I helped those people. That's great. That's good. For spurts of joy, give sporadically. For consistent joy, give consistently. And I'm going to show where this comes out of the word of God. By the way, that word joy, you could replace with peace. You could also replace it with growing faith. Do you want your faith to be growing? When you give consistently, your faith will grow. Well, what does God say about faithful giving? And uh, this is a message for me. I told you about when Harv, the fighter pilot, said, John, you should preach on giving. I about had a panic attack. I mean, you guys should know, for pastors who are sincere and just want to help people, preaching on giving is like the hardest thing. It's very difficult to do. And uh, man, that series that I did when I was 29, I, I about had a you know, panic attack, anxiety. Even now, it's still not easy, but I'm 15 years later in a place where it's like, this has so changed my life. 
This has so helped me, and I've seen it help so many others, that I just want you guys to know this. And so when I first started teaching the Bible, I was still working as a news reporter, it was in living rooms. Like my buddies, we'd all sit in a living room in a circle, and I would just open up the Bible and be like, here's what God's teaching me. That's really what I want to do with you guys today, is just kind of like, here's what God has taught me from his word, and I've seen it proven in real life over and over again. First thing is this, faithful giving returns the first and the best to God. So how does God define faithful giving? Well, in the book of Proverbs, he says this, honor the Lord with your wealth. So uh, think about that. The assumption of that verse is that your wealth is an instrument through which you either will honor God or you won't honor God. Your wealth in and of itself is not spiritually good or bad, and wealth is not spiritually good or bad, but what you do with it will reveal, are you honoring the Lord with your life or not? And so if you say, well, I do want to honor the Lord with my wealth, what does that look like? The second half of the verse says, here's what it looks like, the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, for God's people at this time, there was not fiat currency, what we call greenbacks, cash, dollars, didn't exist yet. Currency like that didn't exist. And so the farmers, when the harvest came in, would take one-tenth of their crops, their grains, their seeds, and they would bring it to the house of God, and that's why it's called the first fruits. It's literally the first part of their harvest. And the principle is this. Every time you have a little bit of increase, you give some of it back to God as a first thing. You give the first and you give the best. We've all had times where um, we've gotten a little too much clutter and we kind of clean out all the kids' bedrooms in the garage and you get this little pile of stuff or maybe a few garbage bags full of stuff for the goodwill or for another charity. And a lot of us, when we give sporadically, it's kind of like, well, you know, we did everything we wanted to do in life. We've got this little bit left over. Here you go, God. Here's my goodwill stuff. <laughs> Look at me. I'm generous, you know? That's a good first step. It is a good first step. It's better than giving nothing, okay? But when you learn to give your first and your best, and don't let the 10% figure be a stumbling block for you, just start with something where you say, every time I have a financial increase, I'm going to return some of it to God as a way of saying a few things. God is first place in my life. As a reminder to myself, God is my provider not my dollars, not my job, not my business. And so I return to God what was already his. Second thing, faithful giving is regular and systematic, not sporadic. Sporadic is fine for over and above giving, but your base giving should be regular and systematic. 1 Corinthians 16 puts it this way. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Now, does this mean that we all need to give weekly? Not literally, but the principle is this. The people in this church in Corinth, they worked in markets, open-air markets, and they'd be, you know, selling fruit or whatever else. By the end of the week, they would know how much money they had made that week. And so what Paul is saying as a principle is when you gather for the assembly, bring a collection, each of you as you're led by the Spirit, from your increase of that week. Now, most of us these days, you probably have a paycheck that comes bi-weekly or monthly, or maybe you own a business and you clear your books quarterly or annually. But the bottom line is this. Schedule your giving based on your income. Um, if you're a widow on Social Security, God's not expecting you to give the amount that a multimillionaire makes. 
in proportion to what God has given you, give, but every time there's an increase, return something to God. Now, the third thing I'd share with you, just teaching the word of God, do with it what you're led to do, is that the 10% tithe is a helpful benchmark for giving. Now, some people misuse it in a legalistic way. Uh, in fact, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 23. Uh, by the way, some people do say, because Christians love to debate stuff, well, tithing's only in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. Well, look at Matthew 23. Jesus talked about tithing, and here's his word on it. You should tithe. Yes. <laughs> That's what Jesus said about tithing. Sorry. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, okay? <laughs> you should tithe, yes. But here's the thing. In this context, Jesus is actually correcting some Pharisees who they would tithe 10% of everything. If they were pouring some salt on their food, they would set aside a tenth of the salt. And they thought they were so spiritual, they were so good, they gave 10% of everything to God, but they didn't love people, they didn't care about people. And if you're familiar with the words of Jesus, he makes it really clear. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is in the middle of rebuking the Pharisees because they were tithing, but they weren't actually loving people. But do notice, Jesus doesn't say, stop tithing, just love people. He says, you should keep tithing, that's good. But it's, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you actually love people. Now, what we tend to do then, because the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, is say, well, I do love God, but I don't need to tithe to show that I love God. And yet, God says over and over, where your treasure goes, your heart follows. And so the next principle, or let's give you the application on this one. Even if you're not at the 10% figure, maybe you think it's impossible or you just don't believe that's what God's calling you to do. That's between you and God. But you should know what percent of your income before your expenses you're giving to God. You know, actual income. Obviously, if you're a business owner, you got to subtract the business expenses. But then once you've made a profit, before you start spending it on yourself and your family, do you have a sense of, are we giving 1%? Are we giving 3%? Are we giving 8%, 12%? You should at least have a sense of it so that you have a benchmark. Uh, because that's what Mel and I learned when we had, we were doing that 10%. And then we had our firstborn baby and we'd taken a pay cut. And it was like, we don't think we can do this. It seemed impossible at the time, but God helped us as we started to eliminate unnecessary expenses. If we hadn't had that 10% benchmark, I'm pretty sure looking at the last 15 years of my life, of our marriage with kids and things get more expensive, we would have just kept decreasing it all the way down to about zero. But that benchmark for us has been really healthy to say, this is all through the Bible, it's a good benchmark. Well, what else does God say about faithful giving? Fourth, Faithful giving often results in God entrusting more to the giver. This is true. This is all through the Bible, and I have seen this in the lives of hundreds of people. Now, I don't often teach on it because there are churches that twist this and say, you know, name it, claim it, give to God, and you'll become a millionaire. Give to God, and he will owe you, and he'll have to pay you back. There are places that abuse this. I don't believe that if you give to God with that as your motive that you're going to get anything back. But what I've seen in, in my life and the lives of just hundreds of people at our church in Arizona and then our church in California and then here, it's hard to summarize this for you guys, but Mel and I have met couple after couple 
where their marriage is strong, their kids love the Lord. It's not that they haven't been through hardship, but their, their life is just good. Their life is blessed. And one after another, they'll tell us, John, we heard a message about tithing when we were younger and we started doing it. We didn't think we could. And now, 30 years later, we never could have imagined how blessed we would be. I'm just telling you guys, like person after person, that has, that's just a normal conversation. Also a normal conversation Mel and I have had uh, is good, sincere people who love Jesus who are like, hey, we don't believe in giving to the church, but we serve. We just serve and we don't give. And, and here's the theme. Those families never seem to have enough. It's, it's just bizarre how it works. So listen to this from 2 Corinthians 9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So today's message, and by the way, if you're our guest, this is pretty rare. You can ask our people. I don't normally preach on this. We're not in the middle of some giving campaign. We're not in need as a church. Um, this just was on my heart to teach the Bible. Don't give reluctantly. Don't ever give because you've been emotionally manipulated or worked over. They showed you a video that made you cry, and now you're going to give. I mean, let the Holy Spirit lead you. There will be times where the Holy Spirit does move you, and you give out of emotion. But here, or wherever you go in worship, don't give out a response to some human manipulation. God loves a cheerful giver. And then listen to the promise. When you give as led by the Spirit, which I believe will usually be consistent, it'll be sacrificial, meaning it hurts a little bit, but sacrificial in proportion to your situation in life. Here's the promise. God will generously provide all you need. Notice it does not say God will generously provide all you want, okay? So that's where churches get off base. They'll uh, cherry pick a verse or two like this and be like, so see, if you give, then, you know, write down, do you want a Bentley? Do you want a house in Hawaii? What do you want? You know, give to the church and you'll get, no, that's, I would classify those things as wants, not needs, okay? But when you truly seek first the kingdom of God, remember Matthew 6, 33? That's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God, his work in the world, and all these things will be added to you. All these things doesn't mean Bentleys and houses in Hawaii, but everything you need. You're going to have the clothes you need. You're going to have the food you need. You're going to have a roof over your head as you prioritize God in your life. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I told you about Harv, the, the fighter pilot, saying, John, I never imagined as a fighter pilot that I'd get promoted to be base commander and all, all the financial things that have changed, and then as I've invested those resources, John, I never thought we'd be in the position we're in now. And John, I just know if we hadn't started tithing back then, I don't believe that blessing would have been on my life. That was Harv's true description of his life. And I've seen it in so many other people's lives that I just can't not share it with you. God will provide what you need and enough left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides. And that's really the bottom line of giving. That's why it's a spiritual thing. That's why if you're alive and you're listening, there's some friction in your heart right now. You're like, oh, I don't know, this is uncomfortable, right? Because really, to choose to give your first and best to God means my faith is in God. It's not in my bank account. It's not in my reserves. It's not in my job. It's not even in the American dollar. God is my provider. And then, God gives us a little metaphor here. You think of a farmer who plants the wheat, which becomes bread. Where do the seeds come from? Well, humans can't make seeds. 
we can multiply seeds, but God provides seeds. And then it says this, in the same way, God will provide and he'll increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So I want you to just think of this metaphor. Every time you get a pay deposit or a paycheck or you get tips as a waitress or anytime you have a financial increase, every one of those dollars is like a seed. And you can either plant the seeds in a soft soil of a heart that's submitted to God, in which case he grows it up to a harvest of generosity, or you can spend all those seeds on yourself, stockpile them. Now, God wants you to meet your needs. He's going to give you enough to meet your needs. But I hope you're not missing out on planting any seeds of generosity. The passage continues and says this, Yes, you will be enriched in every way. People think about giving and they think it's all about money. So if I give money, I'll get money. Enriched in every way means in your relationships. There's plenty of miserable millionaires in the world. There's plenty of miserable people who have lots of money. Being enriched in every way means your joy, your peace, your legacy, your relationships, things that money can't buy. God enriches you in those ways so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So you think of that boat on the Amazon River pulling up to a little tribe, a tribal village. They don't have electricity. They don't have a hospital. There's no CVS or Walgreens. And out comes these doctors and nurses from our church to provide medical care and then to leave them with pharmaceutical drugs that will heal their bodies and to leave them with clothes where they didn't have clothes, and they say, wow, this God they talk about must be real, and all of that is possible because of our giving. Fifth, faithful giving is the one way that God invites you to test him. Have you ever had this moment with your kids or your grandkids uh, or with your siblings? You say, don't test me. I have. <laughs> don't test me. God actually does say that in the Bible, he said, don't test me. Like, when you know what's wrong and you're going to go do it anyway, God says, don't test me. But there's one exception. There's one thing that God says, test me on this. It's in Malachi 3, verse 10. And he says this to the people of God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What is God's house? Well, at this time in the Old Testament, it was a, a physical temple. What is the house of God now? We know from Ephesians 4 and many other passages in the New Testament, the house of God now is the people of God. It's not a mere building. It's any Bible-believing church where Jesus is the head of the church and the word of God is taught. And so once again, I'm going to show you the names of these other churches because we're not the only house of God. Now, I do think it makes sense if you're eating here spiritually, you're growing here, your kids are growing here, it makes sense to bring your tithe to that house of God. But if that's a barrier for you, these are some other great houses of God. I want you to experience God's faithfulness to you as you prioritize his kingdom through your finances. So those are some others that you could tithe to if that's a barrier for you. So now, what does God say after you bring your tithe to my house? He says, test me in this. Test me about bringing me the first and best of your increase. Test me on it, God says. Not in a sarcastic way. He said, go ahead. I want you to see that I exist. I want you to see that I'm faithful. 
test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now again, sometimes people misuse this to try to manipulate God, but I'm telling you, my story about Harv Smith, the fighter pilot who had no idea where he would be in his retirement and how blessed he was, blessed in his marriage, blessed that his adult kids love the Lord, but also blessed financially, but then continuing to give from that blessing. I've seen this over and over again. I've just seen it happen. In fact, for me and Melanie, and this is a little bit vulnerable to share because I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but as Harv challenged me to preach on that, and I did, and then it's like, well, I got to stick with it now. We did, and it was hard. It was difficult. I had no idea, and I'm not saying it's going to be this for everyone. It's like working out. Everyone gets their own results, but you're going to have good results if you work out. I had no idea that God would call me to write a book that I did not write to make money. I wrote it to serve people. In that book, there was a windfall of money when it became a national bestseller. You take our 10% tithe times about 12 years in that one windfall from that first book that we had no idea. We never could have. So then you get a windfall. I came from not much. I'd never seen something like that in my life. Do you tithe on that? Yes, you do. Yes, you do, and, and you keep doing that. Now, please don't mishear. I'm not saying that if you start tithing, you're going to get a huge windfall, but I'm just saying every family I know or person who said, we're going to do this as unto the Lord, not expecting anything back, we're going to do it faithfully. What did 2 Corinthians say? God then often gives back more because he knows this is a person who's going to reinvest it back into my kingdom. And I just wonder, have you ever tested God in this? Have you ever tried it? And if you haven't, I'm not here to say you're missing out financially, though that might be true, but you're missing out on experiencing the faithfulness of God when he shows up for those who seek first his kingdom. So super practical, let me just give you some practical takeaways for your life. If you'll give faithfully, and I hope you're hearing wherever you're at, just let the spirit of God lead you to your next step. Something that is consistent, it's in your routine, it's regular, and something that is a next step for you. If you've never given faithfully at all, maybe it's just you start at $20 a month. I don't know what the number is or what the percent is, but start at something. If you'll give faithfully, first thing, you're going to uncover how much money you spend on frivolous things. (laughs) This is so true for us. So in the last few months, as gas has gotten more expensive and food has gotten more expensive... By the way, tithing is what taught me and Mel to live on a budget. Before that, we just kind of willy-nilly. But when you're tithing, it forces you to live on a budget, which makes you more responsible with the other 90%. So our budget is fixed. Inflation is not fixed. And so Mel and I have had conversations in the last few months where it's like, what we have budgeted for gas is no longer enough. What we have budgeted for food is no longer enough. So where are we going to get it from? And we've had to look at like, well... We could decrease our giving, but we're not going to do that. And so we've found some things that we can live without. Here's a few of them, some expenses we've cut so far this year. We looked at our streaming subscriptions. It's like, ah, we don't really use that one. That's a monthly expense. We had a a great health smoothie. It was pretty expensive, though. And uh, we're committed to eating healthy for uh, obvious reasons, to be healthy. But uh, (laughs) we figured out another way to replace that for a lot less. 
Uh, we also learned that essential oils are not essential. Please don't be mad at me if you're an essential oils person. I'm not rebuking you or anything. I'm just saying for us, it came down to God or essential oils. It got pretty obvious at that point. So had a monthly crew car wash subscription for Mel's car. She doesn't love going through the car wash anyway. So I'm like, let's get rid of that. And then Mel and I, we, our 15-year anniversary was in, on June 2nd. And we had planned, we wanted to go to Europe to celebrate that. And this is part of living on a budget. As things are more expensive and things change, you say, well, we're still going to take the trip. We're still going to celebrate. But we decided to go to Maine instead for a lot less money than going to Europe. Second thing that will happen as you give faithfully is you'll discover how much you actually love God. Because Jesus said, where your treasure goes, your heart follows. And I can easily convince myself, I'm a great Christian. I really love God. I remember that in my 20s when I had become a believer, it was before I knew Mel, had a great job in the news media, nice house, nice car. That church in Scottsdale, Arizona taught me about tithing, and I thought I was tithing because a lot of weeks I would write a check for 10% of my paycheck. Got to the end of the year and I got my giving statement, it was nowhere near 10%. That's where that benchmark to me is, is just helpful. And I had to, when I did my taxes that year, say, do I, do I really want to prioritize God as much as I tell myself I do, and if so, I need to get more intentional about this. Third thing is you will learn to make the 90% go further than the 100% ever did. Uh, the, the, I, I could, we could do a whole series on this, but I, I'm telling you guys, I told you about Harv Smith, the former fighter pilot. There are so many people I've met where you would think, you know, based on their position in life, boy, they must buy everything they want. They must do everything they want. And you'll find, like, they are some of the most frugal people. And when you start to live on a budget, when you say, God, everything I have is yours, he will teach you how to make the 90% go further. I know that sounds impossible, but Mel and I have experienced it. By the way, you'll see in your program at the bottom uh, on the left side, on the inside, uh, it says text, text the word budget. So if you feel like, man, John, we'd love to give faithfully, but every month we're in the negative, we've got a great team here that will for free take you through a budget workshop to help you get your spending under control. Because you're never going to be able to be a generous person if you're always spending more than you make. And I know it seems impossible, but if you sit down with some people who are more objective and they're experienced, they can actually help you live on less than what you make. Uh, and then you can start to experience generosity in this way. Fourth thing, you're going to experience God's faithfulness in ways that you never otherwise would. You're going to experience God's faithfulness in ways that you never otherwise would. Now, I hesitated to tell this story, but I think it's important that I do. Because I want our young people, I want all our people to know, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it is sacrificial. For me and Mel, uh, our giving hurts at times. But I also want you to know it's not a dry and boring and dull life. And while God promises to meet all your needs, there are some times when he supplies your wants. And I'm going to tell you a story about that from my life. I don't want you to mishear why I'm telling it. We've been doing this for 15 years now. And there's a lot of wants we've passed over. But there's more and more wants that God's allowed us to have. 
So we learned early on to save up money and buy cars with cash, and it helps that I'm a car guy. So we've got these old Toyota trucks that just keep going and going. So my Toyota truck we bought for $5,000 when it had 200,000 miles on it. It now has 303,000 miles on it, and it runs great. Still going. Mel's Toyota Sequoia we bought for $8,500, and it had 140,000 miles on it. It now has 230,000 miles on it, and it's still running great. So I've been setting aside money for thinking these trucks are going to die one day, but they won't. So earlier this year, I was at lunch uh, with a buddy here from our church, and he said, John, you know, you're working hard, the family, are you doing your hobby? I was like, well, my hobby's cars, and uh, you know, I love cars, so that's part of why we had cars and coffee here recently, but he was like, well, you, you got to get like a car that you, that you love. And I was like, well, I've got this money set aside, it's, you know, less than a new Honda Civic, and there's... There's an older sports car that I would love, but I feel like as a pastor, if I got it, people would be like, oh, look, pastor's driving a sports car, you know? <laughs> and he was like, John, you can't worry about what people think. You should just go test drive it. So this car's 21 years old. It's my dream car. It's been my dream car since I was 12 years old. And um, six-speed manual, rear-wheel drive, test drive it. I'm like, yeah, this is good. Kind of like in Genesis when the Lord said, it is good. Like, this is good. <laughs> But then I went back home and, you know, exact price and, you know, again, less than a new Honda Civic, but, you know, some money. And I'm like, ah, I'm just not quite there. Now, we had increased our giving during greater things. Many of you did as well from 10%. We asked everyone to pray about increasing by 50%. So we had increased it to 15% pre-tax. That's hard to live on. And I looked at that money set aside and the vehicle, and there was a gap. There was a gap for us to keep giving at that level. And so the buddy texts. He said, hey, did you get the car? I said, well, you know, I drove it. I did like it. But, uh, you know, our priorities, God, family, it just doesn't quite make sense right now. He said, give me a call. So I called him, and, and he said, John, uh, my wife and I prayed about it. Uh, we want to give you X amount toward that car. I didn't tell him the amount. It was exactly the difference. And I know you might see me and think, like, John doesn't still struggle with this stuff. Like, I literally, at, like, midnight, the night before he and I talked, was like, man, what if we just decrease our giving? Like, we could get it. <laughs> and literally woke up the next morning and was like, I get, I'm not getting it. Because that's not my top priority in life. And then he calls and says, if you're going to get the car, we want to give you this amount toward it. It's the exact amount. Now, Here's the bottom line. That car's going to burn up someday. Every physical asset on planet Earth will burn up someday. If I need to ever sell that car to keep seeking first the kingdom of God, God knows I will. But every time I see that car now, I don't just see my dream car from when I was a kid. I see God's faithfulness. Because I chose to submit and say, I don't need that. Right? I mean, yeah, it's, God's, it's about God's faithfulness. And now, I just hope you're not mishearing any of this. I'm not saying if you give, you'll always get. But when you give, and give from the heart to seek first God's kingdom, over time, you're going to witness his faithfulness. And you know what? Now my kids know that story. And I love it for my kids and all the kids in our church to know, if you seek first God in your life, even if you abandon your career and become a pastor, not only will he meet your needs, he might throw in a few of your wants here and there as well. Well, I want to close by just giving you this application. Have you ever consistently tithed or just given whatever amount God has put on your heart to a local church, and have you done it over the course of years? Because faithfulness 
multiplied by time equals fruit. If you will be faithful to the work of God over time, you'll see the fruit. And I'm going to give you a chance to think on this. So if you want to pull out this little handout, um, on the inside page you see these three framework questions. I'm just going to give you a few minutes, you and God, to think over this. First question, is my giving consistent? Is it, you know, each time I have an increase, I give something? Second, is it sacrificial? God doesn't want you going into debt or bankrupting yourself to give, okay? But is it, you know, yes, I could give that much and I'm going to push myself just a little bit further. And then third, is it proportionate to how you've been blessed? We've all been blessed in different ways in this life. And here's what's really cool about this. I was sharing with a family in our church about this message and just the desire for those of you who are giving to encourage you, for those of you who've never committed to consistent giving, and um, here's what this family agreed to do. If you sign up today or by Wednesday for recurring giving of any amount, maybe you do $20 a month, maybe you're in a place to do $200 a month, maybe you're in a place to do $2,000 a month, whatever fits you, you sign up for that by Wednesday, and then over these next three months, if you actually follow through and do it, this family in our church, their next step in generosity is that they're going to double it. And there's not a ceiling on it. So if you give 20 a month after three months, you have to follow through and do it for it to be matched. After you've given that 60, they're going to double it to 120. If you were in a place to give 1,000 a month and you did that for three months, 3,000, they're going to double that to be 6,000. Multiplied out by our entire movement of people. It's a big step of faith for them. And, and you know what they're doing? Yeah, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. But here's what they're doing. They're a lot like Harv, Harv Smith, the fighter pilot. They're just saying, we have so seen God change our entire lives through faithful giving that we want to put a hand out and say, hey, if you're thinking about this, we'll take you by the hand. We'll help you in your first three months for you to just see God then. You plant the seeds and he multiplies them. So here's a picture of me and Mel when we were on our trip in Maine. And I want to take you into a moment as you reflect and as you ask God what does faithful giving look like for me right now? If you're married, that's a discussion to have together. But start asking God. I'm going to give you a few minutes to think on this. And I want to play a song for you. Because Mel and I, we were driving in our rental car in Maine, and the windows were down, and the sun was shining. And Mel uh, had this song on called Thank You by an artist named Ben Rector. And it's really a, a song of thanks to God. And as I was driving there, it was just this moment I had with God where it's like, man, God, you've been so good to us. Like, I mean, we're healthy. I look over at this beautiful woman next to me who actually likes me. <laughs> and our marriage is in a place that we never could have gotten it to without God. Our kids are in a place that we never, we can't take credit for what God's doing in their lives, but they're healthy and they love the Lord, and our church is growing, and it was just this moment where it's just like, God, you've been so good. Like, how could I have even thought of maybe reducing, like, this is not the time to cut back, this is the time to keep doing more, like, you're just so, you've been so good to us. So I want to just give you a moment to just think on God's faithfulness, thank him, and pray over starting regular giving, or if you are giving regularly, what sacrificial giving would look to you, like for you right now. Let's have that moment together. Thanks for the sunrise. 
Thanks for the night sky. Thanks for the deepest blue in my daughter's eyes. And thanks for the weekend. Thanks for a good friend. Thanks for in the high life again. Makes me feel alive. It's been too long since we sat down and talked this way. But life is hard, sometimes I don't know what to say. But thank you. how the world seemed back when I was 19 maybe I just miss having things all figured out cause now I got doubts and I got these questions things I just don't understand but I bet you'll sort it out it's been too long since we sat down and talked this way life is hard sometimes I don't know what to say
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.